What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Today is a very special day. There are two days until free agency begins, but the NBA does not wait for anyone, as we have come to learn. On today's Hoopball Lakers podcast, this is the official pre-free agency show, and we are blessed to be joined by a very special member of the Lakers tribe, the senior writer over at Lakers Nation, host of the Lakers Nation podcast, Trevor Lane. Trevor, how are you, man? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for that uh, that that very nice introduction there. Well, man, it's such a special time in the lives of all Lakers fans across the world, and couldn't really think of a better guy to have on than you. Trevor's been uh, covering the Lakers for how long now, Trevor? Uh, it's been five years now that I that I've been covering them professionally. Five years now, and how did you get involved in the Lakers? Tell our listeners a little bit about how you got to where you're at now. Um, so I actually got involved th- through writing. That was always part of my uh, part of my background. I knew that I that r- the written word was something that always uh, was important to me, and so I uh, I tried writing a, n- a number of different things. I actually started it when I was in college. I, I wrote for a pro wrestling website of of all things. Um, I've written MMA. I wrote uh, fantasy sports for a while. I, I did some stuff for NBA.com for fantasy sports and things like that. And, uh, and I got to, I just kept coming back to, you know, you got to write what you love. You got to write about what you, what you know and what you, what you really love. And that's, I was just constantly obsessed with, with Lakers. And so I said, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do something with this and, and make the leap. And so I started up my own blog. And then from there, I was able to attract the attention of, um, of some of the top Lakers sites out there. And, and I eventually catapulted that into, um, the gig that I've got now at, at Lakers nation. And so it's been, um, it's been quite a ride. Now, I started off just as somebody who wrote editorials. I wrote one editorial a week, and that was and that was it. But that was what let me get my my foot in the door. And uh, and then it uh, an opening came up as far as podcasting goes. And I said, you know, I'd like to I'd like to try that. I'm going to be terrible at it um, to start out, but I, I'd like to give it a shot. In fact, uh, anytime the Lakers Nation staff gets together, <laughs> this comes up. They bring up the very first demo podcast that I ever did that no one heard except for the Lakers nation staff. And I thought it was just going to be one person I thought it was just going to be our, our site owner was going to hear it. No, he played it for the entire staff to listen and critique. And it was terrible. Like I can't even go back and listen to it because it's so bad. They, they make fun of me to this day when we all get together over how bad this, this demo was, but I was willing to go in and, and put in the work and get better at it. And, uh, and so it's something that's grown and has really taken off. As of right now, the Lakers Nation podcast is the largest single team podcast on iTunes. So I'm I'm very proud of that, that we've grown it to that point. And now we're getting into some video stuff, too. It's being posted on uh, on YouTube. So it's a it's a progression. I keep learning more and more and more and uh, and building as I as I move further and further into this career. 
Amazing, man. And so Lakers fans, listen to this. You heard it here. If you need to know anything about the Lakers besides listening to the Hoopball Lakers podcast and yours truly, Trevor Lane, this is a member of our tribe. Let's let's make sure that everybody hits him with that follow on Twitter. You can find him at Trevor underscore Lane, L-A-N-E. And Trevor, you and I were talking a little bit off air just before we started recording this about burning the candle at both ends. That's sort of the theme of the free agent season when it comes to basketball. So do you think it's, can I say it's fair to assume that you enjoy a nice cup of caffeine oh yeah yeah in fact one of our, our sponsors for the lakers nation podcast is uptime energy drinks and i would not be able to to function without them at this point that's uh that's a must this time of year well, funny enough, I feel the exact same way because whether I'm teaching or whether I'm talking hoops, I know I need something right next to me. And that something is our sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. You find them on Amazon or pretty much any place where coffee is sold. Trevor, we're going to have to get some coffee your way. It is legit, my man. Uh, definitely. I will take some of that as, as much as I can get, given, <laughs> given the way things have been for the Lakers this offseason. You got it, man. And and as we're talking about the Lakers and being fully gassed up, I guess there's no better time than to gas up what the Lakers have gone through over the last week or so. We're going to revisit the Anthony Davis deal to start our show here. The Anthony Davis deal, we heard about this. You know, obviously, Anthony Davis makes his way to the Lakers. And we heard Brandon Ingram. We heard Lonzo Ball. We heard Josh Hart. We heard all the picks and the pick swaps. But then we get news yesterday that the Lakers are also trading Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, Jamario Jones, a 2022 second-round pick, all to Washington as part of this three-team AD deal. And why would the Lakers do something like that, Trevor? It only leaves them with, you know, a handful of players on their roster. Yeah, but it also leaves them with a mountain of cap space that they can now use to go chase after one of those one of those top free agents. You know, one of those guys that everybody we were hearing across the national media was that that the Lakers didn't have enough cap space to chase these guys, and Rob Palinka didn't know what he was doing because he clearly doesn't understand the salary cap and and all of those things. And then, oh, here's this move that they made, and suddenly they've got all this cap room freed because they were able to to make a trade, which is was actually a pretty complicated deal. Uh, they had to get Jamario Jones to guarantee a portion of his salary, almost $200,000, uh, which obviously he was going to take. That was fine with with him. But they had to get that done in order to make the math work. And then finding a team to, to absorb those three contracts in the Washington Wizards, it cost them a second-round pick in 2022 to do it. But, uh, but, you know, credit to the Lakers for thinking outside the box and finding a way to make this happen and, uh, and, and give themselves a shot at a max free agent. Credit to the Lakers is not a phrase we have heard too much this offseason, except for the last 24 hours or so, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. They, I was uh, talking about this recently on uh, on our show. This, The last few months have been just one criticism after another being lobbed at the Lakers, whether it was Magic Johnson after he left and, and criticizing Rob Palenka and saying he stabbed him in the back and uh, Baxter Holmes' piece for ESPN. And the, the hits have just kept coming. And so now it looks like when they, they're making these savvy moves, it's like finally, you know, this this breath of fresh air coming in here and you can uh, you can exhale a little bit and finally feel good about about the moves the Lakers are making. You know, I've talked a little bit about this, too, on, on a couple of podcasts prior, but I'm curious to get your take on it. And it's that the Lakers in this whole Anthony Davis chase, they've gone from a team from not having enough, according to most people, most outsiders, to somehow paying too much when they finally get the deal done. And then now that Anthony Davis is actually on the team, somehow there is still criticism over acquiring Anthony Davis. I'm sorry, when you have a 26-year-old top five generational talent and you have the ability to acquire him, I do not care what the timing looks like. You go ahead and do that, right? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You do whatever it takes in order to land him, especially given that you've got LeBron James and you've got a, a LeBron James that's turning 35 this season in December. He'll be 35. So you have to land a piece to help him win right now. And and look, did the Lakers pay more than most fans would be comfortable with? Probably. You know, sure, we would have loved to have seen Lonzo stick around or Brandon Ingram stick around or or the number four pick or something like that. But ultimately, the bottom line is, did you get the deal done? And uh, and that's what they did. They did what it took to, to get the deal done and not see Anthony Davis go somewhere else. You know, it was amazing watching Woj report on this yesterday. Just the, just the sequencing of his tweets in the first being that the Lakers made the trade with Washington or completed that part of the trade with Washington. Then Anthony Davis waving his $4 million trade kicker. And then the news that, yes, now the Lakers have a $32 million slot available for them to sign a max free agent. Could you almost feel the angst just rolling off of those tweets? Could you feel it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly could. I mean, Woj has been one of the people that's been saying for quite a while now that that Kawhi is not going to the Lakers, that it's going to be the Clippers and and all of that. And now suddenly here come the Lakers again, and they are a real threat. In fact, last I looked, they are dead even with the Clippers in terms of betting odds. The Raptors are still the favorites. But uh, but yeah, it, it seems like he's having, and not not just him, a number of people are having to walk back a lot of the things that they've said about, about the Lakers, given these moves that they just made. Agreed. And and look, personally, I'm still not ready to say, okay, Kawhi's coming, right? I'm not ready to put myself in that mindset. But the possibility sure looks a lot more plausible than it did even just a couple of days ago. And to that extent, my question to you is, Trevor, there was a period of time where Jeannie Buss, Rob Palenka, the front office, right, Kurt Rambis, Linda Rambis, all the figures involved, there were legitimate questions to be asked, right, especially around Magic Johnson's resignation. But after all of this and seeing what's transpired as a result two days before free agency, do we owe Jeannie Buss and Rob Palenka an apology? I think we're getting there. I think we have to see what how free agency plays out. But, you know, you, we talked about this at Bunch when uh, when they were getting all that criticism heaped upon them. And look, there was there were all those cries for Rob Palenka to go. I mean, remember, there was le- legitimately a, a protest in front of Staples Center. Because the Lakers are, are keeping Rob Palenka and it looks like they're a mess and their coaching searches is uh, is a disaster and all of these things are happening. It looks like they don't know what they're doing. And people were criticizing Jeannie Buss for hanging on to Rob Palenka saying, why aren't you going out and getting a seasoned executive that can come in and, and kind of take over things? And we said, look, the one way that you fix this, the one way that you make all of this okay is by winning. Winning cures everything, and that's that's on the floor and off the floor. And right now, the Lakers are winning. And if they win again, come Sunday at three o'clock Pacific time when free agency kicks off, then yeah, I think I think they're going to be owed some apologies. That's for sure. No question. So let's jump right into that free agent blender. Right, we're two days away, about forty-eight hours. But the NBA, you know, we're going to have action long before free agency officially kicks off. And really, this whole idea of the moratorium still being in place—it's all a bunch of garbage anyway. But Sunday's the day, right? Kawhi Leonard, I don't think he makes his decision on Sunday, but who knows? Maybe he does. Let's jump right into the Kawhi Leonard stuff with the Lakers. They are officially now in the mix. They've cleared the necessary cap space. The Kawhi rumblings have only grown stronger. Do you think, Trevor, is Kawhi Leonard realistically a play for the Lakers? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I was saying it before those moves even, even got made because you look at what you can offer him if you're the Lakers. And, and you look at the NBA historically. You look back on all the big threes. You can make a very real, very strong argument to Kawhi Leonard. Say, hey, if you want to come join up with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, we're talking about, on paper, the most talented big three to ever be assembled 
ever in all of NBA history. I mean, that's that has to carry some weight. And everybody says, look, Kawhi's a different dude, right? He's the guy that doesn't care about these things. He doesn't care about being on a super team. He's fine being the lone star on a team. And, and that all may be true. But even so, having that opportunity has to mean something. The question is, how important is it to him? And I think a lot of people don't know that. Kawhi doesn't talk a whole lot. So we're going to have an opportunity to find out here in free agency. But the pitch that the Lakers can offer, coming home to Southern California, joining up with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, that's got to be appealing. And I, I think it's something that um, that uh, that the Lakers are going to be able to really appeal to, to Kawhi Leonard with. Uh, I, I believe they've got a pretty good shot here at, at landing him. I don't think they've got him or anything like that, but I think chances are pretty good. So I'm pretty sure I know your answer at this point, but I got to ask you anyway. So the Kawhi letter chase, should we pump the brakes or is it time to gas it up? Oh, no, no. Gas, gas that up. 100%. Put the, okay. put the pedal to the metal on that one. Okay, so we're gassing up Kawhi Leonard to Lakers. And look, I agree with you. I think if I were Kawhi and I'm looking at the Lakers, I see LeBron, I see AD, I see even Kyle Kuzma. I see a chance to win now, a chance to win later in my backyard. There are a lot of appealing parts. I've also been someone who's been on record before the Lakers really entered the picture legitimately and said, look, like he's going to have a tough time leaving Toronto because look at what this city, look at what the country of Canada has done for him. Right. And that, I think, too, has to carry some weight. But I think what you said is true in that we just really don't know. And when we don't know, we tend to think about what could be important or start to use our own values or beliefs to uh, project onto others, whether Kawhi Leonard or anyone else. But in the reality is we don't know. And there's something to be said for a guy who can be that prominent, that skilled, that much of a celebrity, for lack of a better word, and still keep that circle so tight. So kudos to Kawhi on that. You said best big three in history, so I guess best big three in the NBA if it happens, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They would unquestionably be. I mean, look, you're talking about three of, what, the top probably seven at worst best players in the league all on one team. And I'll, I'll tell you this. If you look around the league right now, 29 teams are now fans of the Clippers free agency and the Raptors free. I mean, every team that's not the Lakers is hoping he goes somewhere else because right now across the NBA, you've got parity. Right, You've got a wide open landscape, and if Kawhi goes to the Lakers, that changes. You now have a prohibitive favorite to make it to the NBA Finals if you, if you are able to team up Kawhi and LeBron and Anthony Davis. You know, a couple weeks ago, Vegas came out with the championship odds for next season, and the Lakers were considered the favorite, and everybody kind of raised their eyebrow and said, huh, that's weird. And then the Anthony Davis trade happened, and now we're talking about Kawhi Leonard, and it's almost like Vegas might know something, don't you think? Yeah, it seems like Vegas is is usually ahead of the curve on things like this. So I'm trying to keep an eye on those odds because if suddenly it shoots up, like if we suddenly see that the Lakers are a, a better, even better chance uh, of becoming the NBA champion or uh, or a better uh, have better odds of landing Kawhi Leonard, then you got to wonder who knows something somewhere because Vegas does seem to know a little bit ahead of uh, everybody else. No question. Let me throw this to you. You said three of the top seven players, and I'd agree with you, right? Top five, top ten, it's always pretty subjective depending upon who you ask and what the qualifiers are. But if Kawhi Leonard does wind up on this Lakers team, is he the best player on the roster? I don't know, and that that's just it. You know, everybody says, is is he okay with being the third wheel and all of that? I don't think there is really a third wheel here. You look at, at these players on any given night, any of them can be the the most talented player. Any of them can go off. Um, given what Kawhi just did in the finals, I would say that he's probably the best um, on a night-to-night basis. But, I mean, it's not like you can sleep on Anthony Davis or LeBron James. It's not like you can game plan and say, okay, all we have to do is stop Kawhi. No, because you also have LeBron, freaking LeBron James on the floor, 
who is arguably the greatest of all time, certainly one of the greatest of all time, and Anthony Davis, who could be in that discussion in the future. So, uh, yeah, look, I don't envy teams playing against the Lakers and trying to, to game plan for stopping them if you've got to deal with those three. LeBron James with a season where he got plenty of rest, a summer where he's done nothing but rest and train. Anthony Davis barely played in the second half of last season. He's had plenty of time to rest, recuperate, and train. And then you throw Kawhi Leonard into that mix, it gets scary very quickly. But if Kawhi Leonard does not sign with the Lakers, it feels like it's either the Clippers or the Raptors. Do you have a guess, if he is not a Laker, where he winds up? I think it's going to be the Raptors. And I I keep going back to... You know, if he wants to return to Southern California, Kawhi grew up. He grew up in Riverside. He knows. He knows what it means. If you're in Southern California, you know the way that fans in Southern California react to the Lakers compared to the Clippers, right? And that's not to disparage the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers 100%. have done some some great things, right? But if you're going to go and you're going to go home and you've got an opportunity to join the Lakers, that's gotta that's got to just mean more. Um, it's just the way it is. It's the way it's been for a long time. You know, the Lakers are part of the culture in Southern California. They are wrapped up into into everything that is SoCal. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that it's going to be uh, either the Lakers or the Raptors. Look, the Clippers might be in the running, but at the end of the day, I feel like they're still the Clippers. They can't offer the same things. Uh, I still have the Raptors as the front runner, though. I mean, look, they've they won a championship. They've supported Kawhi. They've been amazing as far as showing him that support. They've they've offered him free meals. They've offered him free places to stay, free vacations. They are pulling out all the stops to try to get Kawhi Leonard to stay. So I still have them as the front runner. But I, I, I think the Lakers have a really strong case here. Do you think Danny Ainge looks in the mirror hoping to see a reflection of Masai Ujiri? <laughs> I, I'm sure he he probably does at this point. Actually, he's he's probably looking in the mirror thinking about, gosh, I can't give up these these picks, right? These picks are way too valuable. I've got to hang on to these uh, because he's that guy that's been just accumulating assets and never pulling the trigger. Although, who knows? Maybe he's about to get Kemba Walker at this point. You know, maybe he learned a lesson. That's something that I've got into a little bit with Ainge, but... That's a whole different story, and we'll keep it Lakers-focused for those of you that bleed the purple and gold here. Let's get into D'Angelo Russell because I, I, I feel the fire with D'Angelo Russell. Let me, let me break down what that means to you, Trevor. Right, D'Angelo Russell, I feel like a lot of Lakers fans, ever since we've heard about the possibility of a potential reunion, and I phrase it like that very specifically because by no means is this a done deal or even likely, but the potential possibility of a reunion, it seems like Lakers fans by large have sort of jumped into this both feet right in, right? Yes, bring back D'Angelo Russell. He was an all-star last year. He looks so much better. We should have never traded him, this, that, the other. Okay, my question is, do you think that Lakers fans would look at the D'Angelo Russell pursuit and really look at D'Angelo Russell, the player, knowing that, hey, look, he proved a lot of people wrong last season, myself included. He showed real signs of improvement in a lot of areas of game of his game, but just like anyone else, he's still got areas of growth. And my question is, Do you think that Lakers fans are evaluating him fairly in the sense that are they evaluating him in the same way that they would be evaluating a player who never wore a Lakers jersey prior? No, no, I don't. I I definitely don't think so. And I'm not either. I mean, I'm I'm biased in that sense, too, because there is that uh, look, nostalgia is a is a powerful thing. And you think back about the the times that D'Angelo Russell had. You think about the ice in my veins moments that D'Angelo had as a, as a Laker, there was always that portion of the fan base that was uneasy with trading him away. That wasn't, wasn't excited about that. 
And you also look at what fans have been through recently. Okay, you look at at who's left. Okay, the when things started trending downwards, when Kobe tore his Achilles, it was okay. So now we're rebuilding. So who's going to be the next guy for us? And it's we latch on to, okay, Julius Randle. Well, he's going to be a monster for us. Jordan Clarkson, he was an amazing second-round pick. Larry Nance Jr., D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, right? All of these guys, right? Alonzo Ball, and now they're all gone. And there's that emotional investment that you have in all of those players, and now they're all out the door. And, yes, it's exciting to have LeBron. It's exciting to have Anthony Davis. But there's that emotional attachment that isn't quite there, right, with those guys just yet because they're kind of the hired guns that are coming in. They're not really our guys. You go and you bring D'Angelo Russell back, and that's kind of like you're uh, you're reigniting some of that. You're creating that emotional attachment all over again. You're bringing back that guy who feels like he's one of our guys. This is where he's supposed to be. This is is what's supposed to happen. So I think that element is certainly there in the desire or the drive among the Lakers fan base to bring back D'Angelo Russell. And I think I, I, the front office shouldn't be thinking that way. The front office should be just looking at what he can do on the floor. But from a fan perspective, yeah, that narrative and that storyline is really appealing, uh, the idea of bringing him back into the fold after all this time. No question. And so with that in mind, do you think that the pursuit, Lakers pursuit, do you think it's real or do you think it's more of a media-driven narrative? No, I think it's very real. Um, I, I think it's real because of of what they need. I mean, it's a it's a it's very much a position of need point guard. You look at what they've got on the roster at the moment. You've got three guys who can play well, small forward, power forward, center, right? You've got your your front court guys there in Kuzma, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. So just in terms of fit, you really need a a point guard. You need somebody who come in and come in and play that role. And so yeah, if you're if you're gonna get Kawhi Leonard, you're certainly not gonna say no to that. But otherwise, you're probably ideally looking to get a, a star quality point guard. And D'Angelo Russell, you can get him for a little bit cheaper than some guys like Kyrie um, or Kemba Walker, players like that. And so you would have a little bit of extra cap space to, to play with. So there's some real uh, incentive to go after a guy like D'Angelo Russell. So I think their interest in him is very real. But I do think he's sort of the fallback after those top guys are off the board. So, we're, you know, after Kawhi is gone and, and Kyrie's gone, if they all go elsewhere, I think D'Angelo Russell is a very real option for them. And I think, um, I think for him, the Lakers are a real option because you look around the league, there's not a ton of teams that really need a starting caliber point guard and can provide a ton of minutes plus the opportunity to win. So I would have never said this uh, a month ago. I would have thought, okay, that bridge is burned. There's no way it's going to happen. But the way things have shaken out now if the Lakers don't get one of the top stars with their $32 million in cap space, I think there's a very real chance that they go and get D'Angelo Russell. Shout, shout out to Kyle Kuzma, man. Got nothing to do with D'Angelo Russell, at least not right now. But shout out to Kyle Kuzma. We've been talking so much about LeBron, AD, Kawhi, every other free agent. Shout out to Kyle Kuzma. Real ones, we, we remember you, man. Don't worry. You're going to be part of this court for a long time. The last right? man standing. Absolutely, right? And so, so to go back to D'Angelo as somebody who could bring – find himself be brought back into this mix. I think psychologically, one of the challenges for me at this point of where the Lakers are in their offseason is because they work so hard to get to that 32 million number. It strikes me as odd that they would clear out all that money. And I know they need to, if they want a chance at a chance, right? A chance at Kawhi, a chance at Kyrie, a chance at Kemba, so on and so forth. Right. But it strikes me as odd that they would clear out that much money if the real pursuit, if priority number one was D'Angelo Russell, because his max number is a little bit lower than that. Right. His max number is around twenty seven and a half million in the first mm -hmm. year of that deal. But I get it. You need a chance at a chance. 
But if you sign D'Angelo Russell to a max contract, you leave yourself about 4 or $5 million in cap space to work with beyond that. To me, in this market, there are going to be values. You could find a player, maybe even two with that leftover cap space. But I'm still on the side of, hey, I'd rather have a Kyrie Irving than, or a Kawhi Leonard or any other legitimate max free agent than D'Angelo Russell plus spare parts. Where do you come down on that? I agree. The place where I've been drawing the line is with Jimmy Butler. I think that if that you can make an argument that let's say you can get D'Angelo for 20. Let's say you don't have to give him the max. Let's say you can get him for about 20, which is what Eric Pincus of uh, Bleacher Report was was guessing at. Maybe you get him around 20 and you've got another 12 million to spend. So if you do that, right, and you've got the option of, okay, we can get Jimmy Butler or we can get D'Angelo Russell and whatever we can get with that 12 million. Maybe it's Patrick Beverly. Maybe it's Danny Green, something like that. I think that's where I would draw the line. That's where I think you can make a real argument for going the D'Angelo Russell way. But otherwise, I think that you've got You've got Kawhi, you've got Kyrie, you've got Kemba. Those are guys where you're saying, saying, here, take my money. Take the $32 million. Gladly, you'll do that before you go after D'Angelo Russell. And I, I think you're, you're on the money, too, with, with your point of, look, if you're clearing up that much space, you're probably not clearing it with D'Angelo Russell being your number one option. Is D'Angelo Russell that piece to make you say that? Right. I, I, right. I don't think so. If, it, if it's Kawhi, that's a whole different story. You're talking right. something historic there. Right. So then you're I, talking then you're talking about a different uh, different equation. I could I couldn't agree with you more. And in fact, at the time this happened yesterday, I tweeted out basically something to that effect saying, I don't think that the Lakers clear that number or that Anthony Davis clear, uh, waves that trade kicker if they both don't have something up their sleeve. That is certainly what it feels like. Right. And I know there are a lot of people saying, well, Anthony Davis waving his trade kicker makes no sense. Right. Well, it makes plenty of sense, given the opportunity he's going to have on the court with the Lakers, on the court with the brand, off the court with the brand, off the court with the sponsorships. Oh, and by the way, he's got a role in Space Jam, too which just happens to star his new teammate, LeBron James. So, yeah, it makes no sense, right? It makes plenty of sense. But I agree with you. D'Angelo Russell feels like a backup plan. Maybe plan B, plan C, plan whatever you got to call it. And that leads me right into this next idea of opportunity cost, because I like the way you phrase that, where you draw the line at Jimmy Butler, and if it means, hey, we can get D'Angelo Russell and a guy like Patrick Beverly, let's say, instead of Jimmy Butler, that's all about opportunity cost, right? Are the, are the Lakers, first of all, are the Lakers willing – to wait for the Nets to renounce D'Angelo Russell. Because as of right now, he's a restricted free agent. And that's going to be highly dependent on Brooklyn's Kyrie Irving pursuit, right? They don't have incentive to renounce him until they have the need to renounce him. So there are a lot of variables in play here, and few of which the Lakers control. So what is the opportunity cost of the D'Angelo Russell pursuit? I mean, if the Lakers can get a commitment from one of these max guys on Sunday or even Monday morning, I think it's, it's a moot point. But if it rolls into Monday Later on Monday, even into Tuesday, and the Lakers haven't made a move yet, and there are still guys on the board, including D'Angelo Russell, do you start to get maybe a little bit more aggressive one way or the other? Um, I think you're still waiting for Kawhi to make his decision, no matter no matter what. I think they're they're waiting on that. And and I think, like you said, it all depends on Kyrie. So if, if Kyrie hasn't made his decision because uh, Kawhi hasn't made his decision, right? I mean, we've seen that happen. That happened when, look, LeBron didn't decide one year until it was like July 9th. That LeBron decided, and then it was like the floodgates opened, and all these deals came through. So yeah, I think that you're you are waiting to find out what's going to happen with Kawhi, and then from there, it, it really depends on what Kyrie does. If Kyrie goes to Brooklyn, then the opportunity is there to go and get D'Angelo Russell, and and if not, then it, then it's not there. But you're right, you're not you're not sitting out free agency the whole time though. You're making contact with other players, and and look if 
if Kyrie's waiting and waiting and waiting and Kawhi's gone and he still hasn't made his decision, then maybe you're under pressure to go to move on from D'Angelo and look somewhere else because otherwise you could be left with with nothing. But I don't think that's how the order of events is going to go. I think it's going to be uh, sort of a waiting period for Kawhi. And then once that happens, then everything will be go. Kyrie will go wherever he's going to go, whether it's he may go to the Lakers. I mean, we don't we don't know that for sure yet. Or he could go to Brooklyn. Uh, but I think once the once the Kawhi decision comes down, then we'll have a better idea of of where the Lakers stand. And it'll be look, it's going to be a tense few days. I mean, we've heard the the Lakers aren't meeting with Kawhi until Monday or Tuesday. So it's uh, yeah, look, pins and needles time around around Lakers Nation. That's for sure. What if Kyrie Irving comes to Lakers and says, "Hey, I'm willing to give you my commitment right now, Sunday night, before they have a meeting with Kawhi Leonard." Then what? That's a tough spot, right? Because the ultimate, it's a good problem to have, right? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, that would be that would be great. But I mean, the ultimate goal is Kawhi, right? I mean, that's that's the piece, right? That's the guy that you really want. Um, so I don't think you necessarily take yourself out of the running. I don't even know how you would, you would handle that. I mean, deals can't officially be done until the sixth, uh, but you're not going to say yes to Kyrie and then and then walk it back later and say, oh, sorry, Kyrie, Kawhi just called us and he wants to come now, so you're out. Um, they're not going to do that. So yeah, I, I don't know how they would handle that situation. It would be it would be a delicate one for sure. That would definitely test Rupalinka's skills as a negotiator. Look, man. Bottom line is, if the Lakers find themselves in that position, it's going to be a good year, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So so that's that's where we come to on that. And and with D'Angelo, you know, I guess in the short view with with Russell, do you think that Russell, LeBron, AD, Kuzma is that good enough to contend? And then the longer view, right? Because you got to think about the post-LeBron era at least a little bit. Do you think that Russell, Kuzma, and AD would be enough to move forward with in the post-LeBron Lakers? Yeah, yeah, I think it would, and I think that's part of the benefit of going and getting a D'Angelo Russell is at 23 years old, his prime lines up with the prime of Anthony Davis, with the prime of Kyle Kuzma. So you're looking at a guy who's got. Um, you know, he isn't a finished product by any means. He still has plenty of upside to build upon. And I always go back to look, he's got a almost 6'10 wingspan. He's 6'5, but a lot of people don't realize how long his arms are. I think he's got another level defensively he can get to. So I think that um, that you've got plenty of upside there. So uh, D'Angelo Russell today isn't going to be the same player as D'Angelo Russell two, three years from now when LeBron has sailed off into the sunset and the Lakers are built around Anthony Davis. I think you're going to have an even better version of D'Angelo Russell. So yeah, I'm. I think that's one of the the nice things about going after Russell is that you've got sustainability. Whereas if you're going after, say, a Jimmy Butler who's already 30, uh, maybe your window's a little bit uh, not quite as as wide open as if you've got a younger player like D'Lo. Totally agree, man. And you know, I feel like the Lakers, ever since this whole free agency's window started to open up, at least unofficially, I feel like I spent most of my time talking about, well, Lakers are going to need to spend their money in the backcourt, whether it's going to be one player, multiple players, whatever it is. Backcourt is obviously an area of need. And that brings us to Kemba Walker, man. And I know Kemba, look, he, he's been linked to the Celtics, what to me, what feels like out of nowhere, basically. We heard the Lakers at the start of free agency, the rumblings started to get out there, almost nothing since. And now all of a sudden, Boston is apparently in the lead. 
right? And and to walk it back to last season, Kyrie Irving and Al Horford wasn't enough for this Celtics team to compete. But now suddenly we're kind of supposed to believe that Kemba Walker and somebody like Robin Lopez is, right? Because if they sign Kemba, they have the room exception left, and that's just about it. And so before we get into Kemba Walker's potential fit with the Lakers, my question to you is, and I just had this idea last night, sitting around thinking about basketball scenarios because, yes, that's what I do with my free time, my spare time, and I wouldn't change it just in case anyone's curious. I'm thinking about the Celtics, and I said, okay, maybe Danny Ainge learned a lesson, right? Maybe he didn't want to just hoard assets forever. Maybe the failed Anthony Davis pursuit taught him something. Maybe Kyrie Irving blowing up in his face taught him something. So maybe this is where the Kemba Walker interest comes from. And maybe if he thinks the Celtics rebuild, they'll have trouble attracting free agents because for a long time, that was a narrative for that team. That was very real. I lived in Boston for about six years, and that was a very real period of time where that team struggled from that particular perspective long before then as well. So maybe that's a concern too. But I just had this idea last night. I just want to float it out to you. The Cavs are sitting there as a team well over the cap and with Kevin Love on a long-term deal and no real clear direction of what's coming next. Does the Kemba Walker pursuit for the Celtics, doesn't that make more sense if the Celtics can then turn around and say, hey, Cleveland, we'll give you what's left of Gordon Hayward's contract and we'll attach Jalen Brown and whatever picks we need to do in order to acquire Kevin Love? And then you got Kemba and Kevin Love with Jason Tatum. Wouldn't that make a lot more sense? It does make sense. Um, but then you go back to the stories about Boston not wanting to attach Jalen Brown into a deal for for Kawhi Leonard uh, to the Spurs. Right. And right. You, So we know they value him highly. I would have to think that Ainge, knowing the way he hangs on to his assets, probably wouldn't be okay flipping Jalen Brown for, for Kevin Love, uh, especially given the size of, of Love's contract. But... In terms of a win now move, yeah, I think that creates a that creates a Boston Celtics team that's probably more ready to contend in the Eastern Conference in the moment. Um, the question is, will Ainge ever push all of his chips in? Did he really learn his lesson? I guess I guess we'll find out. Fair, I and mean, that's a fair question. I'm I'm still not sold on that by any means, but just sort of an interesting thought exercise. So let's bring it back to L.A. with Kemba Walker, right? Kemba Walker is, is he a good fit for the Lakers? Would he be a good fit here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think he'd be a be a fantastic fit. I think he's a little better off the ball actually than than Kyrie is. I think he can play that role a um, little bit better defender. I think than he gets credit for. He can shoot, uh, which he couldn't do when he first came in. He was he was not a great shooter coming into the league, but now um, his shot is is pretty good, pretty solid. So uh, yeah, I, I think he'd be a good fit. I think he's the kind of guy that you would really need on the nights when you have like a load management night for LeBron. Uh, when you've got it, when you got him resting, or Anthony Davis, he's had his own host of injury issues as well. So nights when he's resting, you've got a guy in Kemba Walker who can go create his own offense, can go run the show, and um, and get you a W. So I, I think he would be a real nice fit for the Lakers uh, at 29, uh, and a, as a smaller guard, he's what six one, six two, and he relies on his athleticism a ton in order to get open looks. I think there's a little bit of concern there that maybe towards the end of that contract, it's not looking as good if he starts slowing down a little bit. But sure. in the here in the here and now, yeah, I think he I think he'd be a real nice ad. Yeah, I do too. In fact, I've been pretty vocal about Kemba Walker. I think he would be because of the reasons you outlined as well, especially on those nights where they need to sit LeBron and or AD, whether it's during stretches of a game or sit out entirely for load management. I do think he's that kind of guy who could step up in the moment. Totally agreed with that. And I think for me, Kemba Walker, it's felt like going back to, you know, around the All-Star break when his free agency was coming into focus, we heard all about it's Charlotte or bust, basically. I can't see myself playing for another team. I'm in a Hornets uniform for life. I play for Michael Jordan, this, that, the other. But in free agency, it's been basically the complete opposite. 
oh, the Hornets aren't even negotiating. They're hoping he'll take a discount. Michael Jordan's broke off any type of financial deals. Like, they're not even talking at this point. But it feels like so much of this conversation has been about Kemba Walker trying to create leverage where it may not really exist because the Hornets are literally bleeding through their eyes financially, right? They're in a bad spot. But now that the Lakers have opened up that number, it doesn't feel like it's all leverage necessarily. No, I mean, look, if you're if you're Kemba Walker and you're looking at the situation, and I, I firmly believe right now that the best case scenario for Kemba and the Hornets is, is to move on. I think the Hornets need to, if the Hornets pay Kemba Walker, they are locked in, in salary cap hell. It's, their, their books are a mess. Uh, they're, they're very much stuck. And if you're Kemba, you've got to be looking at that, thinking, uh, okay, if I, if I re-up here with the Hornets, and as, as great as it would be to spend his career with one team and as loyal of a guy as he is and all of that, and that's wonderful. But if you re-up with that team, you haven't made the playoffs the last three seasons. Uh, where what does the future look like? Where are you headed? Probably nowhere. You're probably not, and that's just you know reality. You've got at least another season or two before their books get clear enough to where they can go chase anybody else. By then, Kemba's what 31, and so yeah, if, if I'm him, you you've got to start looking elsewhere. And the Lakers would have to be an attractive option. And it's not just about hey, you know, I want to get that supermax out of the Hornets because that's probably not coming. You know, a supermax deal can be really prohibitive. We, we I mean, look what happened with the the Wizards. They felt like they had to give it to John Wall, um, which would have been a bad contract, even if he if he was healthy. And now he's not, and uh, and it's it's the worst co- worst contract in the NBA. So that's that's a really rough scenario to be looking at if you're the Hornets. So I don't see that supermax deal coming. So I don't think you'd use the Lakers just as leverage to try to get more out of the Hornets. I think he has to really take a serious look at going elsewhere if winning is something that's in that's really important to him uh, if it's not and he wants to stay home and he wants to be in charlotte that's that's fine more power to him re up there stay there if you're not worried about deep playoff runs or anything like that you know play, players can have their own priorities but if he does want to win i think he's going to have to look elsewhere a lot of good points from you on that man hard to disagree with any of them so can we keep talking about point guards? You got enough gas in the tank for me to talk to you about some more point guards who could fit on the Oh, yeah, let's, let's do it. I'm looking at the next one on the list here, and I've already got plenty to say about, about him. <laughs> Pat, Patrick Beverly, man. This guy has been linked to just about every team with cap space and free agency. And granted, he could fit on just about any team, right? Scrappy defender, better than anticipated shooter, has really improved his standing around the league, capable of defending pretty much any position except the center, I guess, unless the team is playing small, then maybe even at center. But here's the thing with Patrick Beverly. For as much smoke as there has been around his market, right, if I were his agent, I'm looking at Marcus Smart's four-year, $52 million deal that he got with the Celtics. That is my absolute baseline, right? That is my minimum of minimums. The other thing with Patrick Beverly, he has made about $25 million in his NBA career, which by everyday human standards, that's and it's, it's an obscene amount of money, right? We talk about that like it's monopoly money. But the reality sets in that this is a guy who's never really gotten paid before, right? And if the 2016 offseason taught us anything, it's that teams have not learned a goddamn thing when it comes time to spend their money. GMs get anxious. The supply and demand curve shifts. And I don't think Patrick Beverly is going to be one of those guys who waits around for the market to settle if some team comes in with an offer that he likes. In three seasons to begin Patrick Beverly's career, so from 2012 to 2015, he made under a million dollars in each of those seasons from NBA salary. So that you're talking about basically half of his career, right, to date in terms of NBA because I know he spent some time overseas, et cetera, et cetera. So if I'm Patrick Beverly, right, the fit with the Lakers is obvious, right? He, he Defensive, can shoot the three ball, not a great shooter, but a capable shooter. The fit is obvious. 
But is he even going to wait? Because if I'm a team, like if I'm the Sacramento Kings and I got cap space and I feel like point guard is a really legitimate area of need, if I'm the New York Knicks and cap space, that's all I got right now. What's to stop me from saying, hey, Pat, here's four years, 60 million, 65 million. And I haven't even mentioned the Chicago Bulls, right? That's his hometown team. They need a point guard. Chris Dunn is not the answer. That's why they just drafted Kobe White. So you look at Patrick Beverly and say, hey, if the Bulls come at him on the first day of free agency with four years and 64 million, he's not waiting, is he? No, no, I, I think he's taken that. And he, you know, he gave an interview to TMZ uh, about a week ago where he he basically said, look, he's not it's not about uh, getting on with a winning team or whatever. He's looking to secure his family's future. And I mean, that means he's he's taking the highest payday. Doesn't matter which team he's necessarily going to. I mean, of course, that's going to be a factor if a couple of deals are close. But, um, you know, more power to him. He's going to be looking to get paid as as well. He should. Uh, so, yeah, look, Patrick Beverly is part of a group of free agents that I think w- the way this is going to play out, there's so much cap space out there. There's not enough max level players to spend it all on. So what's uh, now look, 40 percent of the league is free agents. So what you're going to have happen is you're going to have the max guys and there's going to be some teams pursuing them. And the teams that are either out of the running for those guys or just miss on getting those guys, but still have a ton of cap space left over, they're going to feel pressure to walk away with something. And that's where you're going to wind up with some of these mid-tier guys getting overpaid. And then Patrick Beverly will probably be be one of those guys. We're talking about the best of the role players out there. You're Danny Greens, Patrick Beverly, Terrence Ross, all these kind of guys. Some of them are going to walk away with massive contracts. Maybe not quite to the levels we saw in 2016, but I think Patrick Beverly is in line for a big deal. And he's not going to be waiting around for, say, the Lakers to finish chasing Kawhi Leonard. If he gets the offer that he wants, he's going to go ahead and take that regardless of, of where it is. So, um, so yeah, there's there's a lot at play here with, with Patrick Beverly and with players like him. But I'm definitely wary of how big of a contract he's going to get. I mean, look, this guy, he's turning 32 in about a week and a half. Right? I'm sorry, he's turning 31 in about a week and a half. And so if you're locking in long-term to Patrick Beverly – and you know that you know decline is inevitable. Father time is undefeated, and usually the first thing to go is defense. And if Patrick Beverly isn't, you know, in year two, year three, isn't the defender that he is right now, and he already slipped a little bit last year, that could become a bad contract real quick because he doesn't provide a whole lot else besides defense and uh, and a little bit of floor spacing because he can knock in threes at a forty percent clip. Yeah, well said, man. So I think we're pretty much on the same page. Patrick Beverly, interesting player, could be a fit for the Lakers in a different offseason, but given all the dynamics in play and his desire to get paid, probably off the board. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think that uh, I think he would be a great fit. Uh, he's an ideal type of point guard to put alongside LeBron James because he doesn't care about having the ball in his hands. Um, so he'd be, he'd be a great fit at the right price, but I don't think they're going to get him at the right price. Right. I don't think this is the offseason for the right price for Patrick Beverly, but it could be the offseason for the right price for a lot of other players, because like you said, almost half the league is free agents. And when all these teams blow their cap space on one to two, maybe three players, there's going to be a lot of guys still looking for a chair at the table. Right. Exactly. That is that is where the teams that are patient this summer are going to wind up getting rewarded once that cap space starts to dry up. That's where you're going to see like last year. Cap cap started to dry up. You got Brooke Lopez with the Milwaukee Bucks for just over $3 million. You're going to find deals like that if you're patient. And not every team's going to be because we know for a lot of teams, cap space, having that money out there, it, it burns a hole in their pocket. So what the Lakers need to do is they need to be aggressive on the pursuit of a max player, but patient pretty much anywhere else. Yep, that's it. That's exactly. That's what I've, what I've been saying. They need to make sure that they are um, – are spending their money in the right places and not allocating too much if they're going to go the role player route. 
Without question. And I had a friend recently say to me, you know, role players are typically made, not paid. And I thought that was a great way to sort of phrase that. Because it sounds like you and I, Trevor, we're pretty much in agreement here that the third max star should be the play over the depth. I know we've seen the depth argument made from a number of angles, right? But we agree that the third max player is the way to go here. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think um, I'm very much into uh, looking at bang for your buck. How much are you getting for what you're yes. what you're spending? And and you look at the NBA, the way it's set up, right? The the max players, the true max, the stars, their salaries are artificially deflated. They're kept down yes. by by that max salary. And the and the other end, it's the rookies, right? The rookie contracts. So who gets inflated by both of those being artificially decreased? You've got uh, you've got the guys in the middle. So yes, yeah. So I think I think going after a true max is the best way to get your get your value. And then, like we were saying, be patient. And then, and there's going to be players out there that'll take the vet minimum because the Lakers have minutes to offer and the chance to win a championship. And so, I think again, if it, as long as they're patient, they'll be in good shape and they'll be able to find those players on a vet minimum. So I'd have no problems blowing all their money on a Kawhi Leonard or Kyrie Irving or somebody like that. Trevor, take all of what you just said and inject it directly into my veins, man. I love everything about it. Could not agree more. And for me, the max player typically, sorry, Chandler Parsons. But typically, the max player will always return a positive uh, return on your investment, right? They'll always get you that positive ROI, whereas role players tend to get you a negative one, especially at an inflated number in a team or in a league where half the teams have cap space and everybody's looking for more money than they would otherwise be getting. So I totally agree with you there. Are there any max free agents that we have not mentioned, that have not even necessarily been mentioned in correlation with the Lakers, that would be a nice fit on this team. For me, that player is Chris Middleton. Yeah, yeah. I think the sense is that he's going to stick with the Bucks, but and that's why we haven't heard him connected with the Lakers as much. But you're right. He would be. He would be. Look, he's a wing defender. He can shoot. He can pass. He can do a little bit of everything. He's good off the bounce. That's a guy that would be a, a great fit. Um, Almost a Jimmy Butler esque fit, but without being Jimmy Butler, without dealing with the the other issues that you get if you if you go for him. So so yes, yeah, Chris Middleton would be would be fantastic, probably underrated even still, even as he's looking for it for a max deal. I called him Kawhi Light in conversation yesterday. That was probably a little too strong and a little too dramatic, but nonetheless, the same idea: perimeter defender, personalities pretty tempered, et cetera, et cetera. The thing that I like about the Chris Middleton idea as well is he's used to playing alongside a superstar in Giannis, who's always going to have the ball. It doesn't matter if Middleton shoots five times or fifteen times; he can do a little bit of everything. So that would fit the construct of this roster rather well. Too. So Middleton could be a really interesting name, but I agree with you. I think he's heading back to Milwaukee. And if for some reason, let's just say that everything goes to shambles, which I do not expect, you do not expect, we, the basketball universe, Lakers land, we do not expect this, right? But if for some reason the Lakers have to do the depth move and they have to pursue multiple pieces and break up that max cap space, right? Some names that we've heard, guys like Jeremy Lamb, Terrence Ross, like you mentioned, Brooke Lopez, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Darren Collison, to me, he's the name that stands out above anyone else. And I got two stats on Collison. Right. Since 2015. So we're talking over the course of the last four seasons. He's 42.3 percent from behind the three point line. He led the NBA in assist to turnover ratio last year and has three point two to one assist to turnovers uh, over those four years. Darren Collison is the type of point guard. If you need to pursue that type of move, that would make sense on this Lakers team. 
Yeah. Yep. One hundred percent. He is, and that was. Uh, I did a series recently where I was looking at top five prospects at each position for the Lakers to pursue, and Collison was in there because of, of what you just mentioned. Um, you look at what he can do shooting from from three, his ability to knock down open shots. I believe off the top of my head in his synergy stats, he was in the 94th percentile when it came to, to being a spot-up shooter. Elite. Uh, yeah, elite. That's elite level stuff. So if you are, if you're LeBron and you're Anthony Davis and you're drawing that kind of attention that you're going to draw defensively, and you're kicking out to a guy like Darren Collison, you know he's a veteran. He keeps his head and he's going to knock down shots. The size is definitely an issue with him, but but I agree with you 100. I love the fit of Darren Collison. Um, he's a guy where let's say the Lakers go get Kawhi and they've got that room exception of that 4.8 million or whatever yes. that that they would have. I'd be all for giving that to Darren Collison and going after him because he would be tremendous. Could not agree more. And I think these other guys, especially guys like Jeremy Lamb, Terrence Ross, these guys who are marginal role players might have even fallen out of the league in a different set of circumstances. For them to have this career resurgence, we'll call it, I don't think they're kind of t- interested in taking any kind of value deal. Those guys are looking to get paid. So when I sit here and hear some Lakers fans saying, oh, Jeremy Lamb on the minimum, Jeremy Lamb's getting over $10 million a year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fans fans will – I've seen it all over Twitter, right? People are saying, oh, you know, if you can get Patrick Beverly on a minimum deal or you can get him for $5 million or – no, that's not the way this is going to go. That's not the way this free agency is going to be. So, yeah, Terrence Ross isn't – you're not going to get him on a minimum deal. He's way too good for that. Brooke Lopez is probably getting what? Eight, ten million at least. At least. Right? At least based on the way he's been playing. So you're not going to be getting these guys on the cheap. The the bigger name role players, the topper top tier of the role player class, you're not getting them for cheap. That's just that's not going to happen this year. You know what it reminds me of is if you've ever played fantasy sports and you're in one of those leagues where you got that owner who always offers you the five or six guys for your one best player, but the five or six guys were drafted from rounds 12 through 18. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm giving you five or six guys for him. And yes, five or six pieces of crap. Thank you very much. I do not want this. That's kind of what it reminds me of when you get takes like that. Yeah. Yep. That, that's what it is. It's that guy that's sending out that deal and you're getting what, like 10 of those offers a week from him. And yeah. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep, I thought you might. I appreciate that from you. Do you think that anyone from last season's Lakers roster, besides the obvious guys, do you think anyone returns, specifically Rajon Rondo or JaVale McGee? Those are the two guys to me who I can sit there, look at that roster and say, okay, I could maybe see one of these two guys returning if this, if that. Yeah, so I I think you've got – I expanded to four guys. I look at four guys that could return it. Well, okay, five when you throw in Alex Cruz. So they already made him a qualifying offer. Um, I suspect that he might, he well should be back, but um, uh, KCP, I think you've got the clutch sports connection there. Uh, not that KCP has endeared himself to Lakers fans or anything like that. I know a lot of people are frustrated with him, but, uh, but for the money, it, it, again, it depends on how much they offer him, but I think he could be back. Rondo, I think is another one. Rondo, I think again, could be, uh, should he be is a, is a whole different story. Alex Caruso was st- statistically way ahead of Rondo in terms of how the Lakers performed on the floor with with one versus the other. I think Rondo, though, I, I'm not bringing back Rondo to be my starter. If Rondo comes back, I think he's got to be a 10, 15-minute-a-game guy tops off the bench, and then I think you're okay with Rondo. Otherwise, he gets torched, just torched by the by the best point guards in the league. It's just it's not what he's able to do at this stage in his career. Uh, McGee would be great. I think there's – I'm not worried about the center position at all. I think there's a lot of centers out there on the market and a lot of them that you're going to get fairly cheap when you look at, you know, Nerlens Noel and Robin Lopez and players like that, uh, Ennis Cantor. There's going to be plenty of centers on the market. 
Uh, so you miss on Brooke Lopez. I'm not worried about that. Uh, you can turn to a McGee. JaVale certainly did did well last season. Had no problems with that. But the other guy that I'm looking at um, is is Reggie Bullock. And you look at what the Lakers need. They need shooting. They need defense. And Bullock isn't a great defender, but he can shoot. And uh, and they've got him on his a 4.5 million cap hold. So if you're looking at a situation where he's probably worth more than that. So if you're looking at a situation where the Lakers have to go depth, you could actually keep that cap hold on the books, go spend 28 million on whoever else. And then you're going to go exceed the cap by giving Reggie Bullock using his bird rights by giving him whatever his going rate is, whether that's 7 million or 8 million or whatever it's going to be. So I think he would be a candidate to return as well. Um, but that would be, that would be about the extent of my group. And I don't like, I don't think you're going to see Mike Muscala come back or anything like that. Right. And I, I have to apologize to the AC unit. I knew it was getting kind of cold in here. I should have known Alex Caruso was blowing the smoke over my shoulder. I do think Alex Caruso is back on this team. And I think Jonathan Williams, um, I don't know what the market for him is going to be like, but Lakers did offer him a qualifying offer. Same thing with Caruso. So if you can bring him back Caruso on the minimum, and if John Williams accepts that qualifying offer, puts him on a two-way deal, I think as the Lakers look to build out depth and actually a roster around whoever's going to be on the team those are going to be important type of pieces to, to harbor so i agree with you on that and i can see a scenario where bullet comes back to for me i think kcp is just i think his time in la is done it feels like you know the clutch connection is, is sort of over from that particular perspective and you know that's sort of my one of my concerns with d'angelo russell thing not to go all the way back there but if the Lakers are turning over a new leaf and truly becoming a new team and becoming a, a new era of Lakers basketball, I always get worried about this is that if you return pieces from a pr- previous era, are you holding on to the past a little bit too much? So I know that's a little bit out there, but there's something to be said for that as well. No, yeah, that, that's true. And if you're looking at, at making a fresh start and a, a clean slate and, and all of that, uh, particularly if it's coming from an era that that isn't going to be remembered all that fondly, especially when you consider the circumstances around D'Angelo Russell leaving and the video with Nick Young and, and all of that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I, I can see that. I think the Lakers, would, in order to not to go too far in depth into Russell, but it, in order to bring him back, they would have to be pretty convinced that, that look, he's he's matured, that his time in Brooklyn has matured him, and he's a he's a different person. And I, I believe that is the case. I, I think he is. So before we get out of here, man, because we've had so much good Lakers talk, you know, I just can't get enough of this stuff. And, you know, I know you can't either. That's why we do what we do. Right. And we talked a little bit about how the Lakers can fill out this roster. They do have the room exception, 4.7, 4.8 million, right? Just under five. And basically vet minimum contracts after that, assuming they do sign the max third player. And that's the route that they have to go. We talked about how the Lakers are going to need to exercise that patience, how their needs are going to find to they're going to have to find value where other teams aren't looking. In other words, they're going to have to play a little bit of money ball, right? They're going to have to look at options and players that don't have maybe the biggest market who they think they could get for a value deal, whether it's the selling of PT, whether it's the selling of the championship chase, whether it's selling of being on the Lakers or a combination of any of those three factors, as you referenced as well, right? So the Lakers can't be victim, for lack of a better word, of both circumstance and recency bias, because that's how role players are either under or overvalued or those two things, right? Recency bias, we saw it with J.R. Smith a few seasons ago, and circumstance, we see it all the time. I think about how how long and how strong I had to hear about how Jordan Clarkson was the second coming of some player who I'm not even going to mention because it's so disrespectful to him, and now everybody in Lakers land says, ah, eh, Jordan Clarkson really isn't that good, right? But when he was on the Lakers, he was everything. So that's just one example. I thought Keith Smith, and I call him Keith Smart every time. So shout out to <laughs> that NBA coach, assistant now, I believe, with the Knicks, Keith, Keith Smart. But Keith Smith had a great point, right? And Keith, Keith does really great work with the salary cap, really knows his stuff. 
said 40% of the NBA is free agents, 14 teams with cap space, and they'll spend the majority of their space on one to two, maybe three guys, right? There's a lot of room for potential bargains as a result. And we talked about all those selling points. And to me, like, here's just a list of some names, right? Guys like David Nwaba, remember him? Thabo Cephalosha, Trevor Ariza, Damari Carroll, Nick Stauskas, Jamal Crawford. If you gave me Jamal Crawford on a minimum contract on Lakers right now, I would take it and be the happiest man that this weekend has ever seen, right? So all these names, guys like that, there are a lot of potential values out there because the guys like Jeremy Lamb, Seth Curry, Rodney Hood, it feels like they're probably going to be out of the price range. So Lakers are going to have to exercise patience, but I would think, all things being equal, once the dust settles – the Lakers are going to have, like, the value of their minimum contract is going to be equal to the value of any other NBA team's minimum contract. But isn't it a lot more appealing for the Lakers than pretty much anywhere else right now? Yeah, look, it, the Lakers will get a higher quality vet minimum than, say, the Orlando Magic will, right? Because right. they're offering, they can offer the chance to contend for a championship and they can offer major minutes. And that's something that, that a lot of teams can't. I, I like your list of guys that they could target, guys that would be. Uh, on the cheap, the the ring chaser group there, uh, yeah, you get any of those guys on a veteran minimum contract, and they can all do things to help you win. I especially look at uh, look at Trevor Ariza. I don't know that you get him for a minimum deal, but but he's got that connection because Rob Palinka is his former agent. So right. that's that's something that um, that that seems to be like I would be surprised if there wasn't at least some discussion of Ariza coming to the Lakers. I think if he's going to take a minimum anywhere. It would be back home with the with the Los Angeles Lakers and uh, and good shout out for uh, for Keith Smith there. Yeah, he's amazing with the salary cap. He's actually my uh, my co-host on the NBA front office pod, and he does uh, he does amazing amazing work. He is he's one of the smartest guys in this business, no question. Yeah, he does. He really does. And his spreadsheets make my Excel files look like baby food. So I appreciate that from him and from you, Trevor. And so before we get out of here, man, and kind of wrap it all up, I gotta ask, man, free agency around the corner. I need a prediction. Who the Lakers land? Uh, I'm going to be optimistic and say they go ahead and, and they get Kawhi. Let's let's say it happens and uh-huh. the rest of the NBA has that much more reason to hate the Lakers. Wow. Okay. So Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers. I'm going to, as much as I want to agree with that, just for the sake of giving you something different and just because I'm not ready to buy into the Kawhi hype all the way yet, because that would be quite a fall from grace if I do that. I'm going to turn the NBA on its head and say, hey, how about Kyrie Irving? We've heard a lot about this Brooklyn stuff. But I think Kyrie Irving and the LeBron, the opportunity to play with LeBron James, I think that means something to him. I really do. I have nothing to back it up. I have just the feeling in my heart and the feeling in my brain. But I feel like that means something to him. And if they could, if they could come here with AD, you could swap out Kevin Love for Anthony Davis. And come on, right? Come on. Oh yeah. I mean, look, if, if that's the that's the route for chaos option. Right, like the the ripple effects Absolutely. of the Lakers getting Kyrie. I mean, Brooklyn would have to go into into scramble mode. Then what happens with D'Angelo Russell? Do they keep him? The the dominoes falling after that one would be amazing to watch, and and just the whole narrative around Kyrie. After so many people have been saying, "Oh, Kyrie will never go play with LeBron again." To have that happen, it, it would be quite a story. That's for sure. Trevor, the Lakers are good for business, and business is booming, baby. Really appreciate you stepping on today and taking the time to join us. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, man. Until next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.